Let's join together in prayer. Precious God, we thank you for your presence that produces hope. Precious God, we thank you for a hope that sparks miracles. Today, precious God, as we celebrate the places that we still are seeking a connection, we ask that you produce hope one more time and open doors and point us in directions that we need to go, that we need to walk through, that we need to follow so that we can remain in the presence of hope that you produced with the resurrection. Be with us today, God. Nothing happens unless it's sparked by you. Amen. Last week we had a wonderful opportunity. Last week was our intentional interaction with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our intentional interaction with the hope that Jesus Christ produced through his death, burial, and resurrection. Last week was Easter. And Easter has become this day that we have the opportunity that we focus intentionally on what it means to celebrate what produces the hope in our faith. Today, we get to take that one step further as we look at the person of Thomas. Today, we talk about what it means when we step outside of a very specific day and we force ourselves, train ourselves, equip ourselves in such a way that we can continue to be the people who celebrate the Easter promise. Something that I didn't share last week in my sermon that I commonly share every Easter is Easter is not a day. Easter is a daily occurrence. As we go through our Lenten projects, we begin to train ourselves, hone ourselves, equip ourselves. We take this moment of spiritual focus to make it possible that we can live within the reality that we can exist within daily resurrections. We don't just celebrate a resurrection on Easter, but we celebrate a reality that can exist every day. Easter is every day. I want to share that reality with you as we talk about Thomas. Now, Thomas is a dear, dear soul for me. Because for me, I'm a person within my life who overthinks things. I'm a person whom within my life, when I'm moving into a situation, I begin to process everything by first of all going towards the worst case scenario and then working backwards and then producing a strategy that makes it possible for us not to get to that worst case scenario. I'm a person that likes to process things and tear them apart and think about them to the minute detail that yes, I overkill my friends with the conversations and I have to see and experience and be within everything so that I can know not just the worst case scenario, but what it means to go on this journey that opens a door for the best possible situation for all involved. That's what I see when I look at the person of Thomas. 
Let's look at the reality that exists around Thomas. And we have to go back to last week's sermon and really break down what happened at the resurrection story. We have to talk about who visibly saw and who had a visual interaction with what happened with the empty tomb. Last week in the sermon, we had three centralized characters. We had Mary, we had Simon Peter, and we had John the Beloved. Those are people who had a first-hand account of what happened at the tomb. Now last week, within the sermon, we saw John and Simon Peter go to the tomb, and John and Simon Peter saw things. Now today I'm going to talk about Thomas as a person who needs to see things to comprehend it. But Thomas is not the only person within this biblical account that needed to see and interact with the empty tomb to start to process what was going on. We learn that through the Greek words that exist within the reality of the interaction of Simon Peter and John going to the empty tomb. They were investigators and learners as well. They were the ones who had to go and see what had happened so that they could begin to understand and process and shape what was going on. The Greek words that exist within their story, when we read them in the English language, they become the words saw. But the two words that exist in the Greek language aren't just saw. They break down their emotional place when they see what had happened. Let's talk, start with John the Beloved, because as John the Beloved pointed out, not just is he the Beloved One, but he was also faster than Simon Peter, and he got to the tomb first before Simon Peter. And John is a self-promoter if there ever was one. And when John the Beloved gets to the tomb, he saw with the idea of learning. He was seeking knowledge. He wanted to know what happened. He gets this information from Mary. And he needs to go and see and learn what happened. He needs to participate in the story in such a way that he's learning what happened. And he's learning how to interact with what happened. John was an was a learner. John was one who also had to go, see, learn, participate in the story so that he could begin to understand what happened. Then comes Simon Peter. Simon Peter, as John the Beloved points out, got to the tomb second because John the Beloved was faster. And we get Simon Peter and he approaches the tomb and his word saw and the scripture actually means to see, to investigate, to, to break it down, to learn. And so we experience Simon Peter, not just seeing an empty tomb, but we experience Simon Peter experiencing the folded clothes in the tomb. And through this seeing of investigation, he can begin to piece together a reality. 
that Jesus Christ's body was not stolen because of how neatly everything was put in place. It wasn't a ransacked tomb. Everything was neat and in order. He sees to investigate and he learns from what he sees. There's no possible way that this body was just stolen. We have two people, a learner and an investigator, who have to go and see the story so that they can begin to see and learn and investigate what it means to live within the reality of what has taken place. Then we take that seeing and learning one step further when it comes to Thomas. I love Thomas very deeply because Thomas is a person, as I pointed out last week, when I changed, when I did the costume change during the sermon, Thomas is still living within his grieving clothes. Thomas doesn't understand. He didn't go as John to see and learn. He didn't go with Simon Peter to see and investigate. Thomas is a person who was there that's only hearing a story that is so hard to fathom because he is still existing within his clothes of grieving that he cannot comprehend what it means that the Savior could be real and living. He needs to see the scars to know that it was Christ. He needs to know because there were so many times culturally, you got to remember within this too. Well, I went through Fuller Theological Seminary and my homiletics instructor, teacher, Miss Schuster will talk to us about biblical exegesis. And what that means is we don't just look at the scripture for what it says, but we also take the scripture historically and weigh it against the facts of other things that had happened around the history of the situation so that we can truly comprehend what it means. We become the ones who were like Simon Peter and we see to investigate. So let's talk about other things that Thomas would have experienced within his being and his interactions with the story. Now, Jesus Christ was not the first one who appeared and called himself a Messiah. He was the Messiah, but there were others who came and called themselves a Messiah. And they came and they did things, and they didn't really have the backing. They didn't have what Simon Peter would have found with his seeing to investigate. They didn't fulfill the promise. Thomas being stuck within all those other situations. Thomas not seeing the empty tomb. Thomas only hearing the stories of the empty tomb. Thomas only seeing and hearing from the one who saw the learn. And Thomas only seeing and hearing from the one who saw to investigate. There was still so much more that Thomas needed to experience to find his place within the story. That he needed to see the scars to know that it was actually Christ. Thomas was stuck in others who came. Through the history of being, through the history of time, the others that called themselves Messiah so that he could learn the reality of the Messiah. So when Jesus Christ walks through the door, and he walks over to Simon Peter and shows him 
the scars on his hands and the scars on his side, Thomas finally has the connection that he needed so that he can find his place in the story. That's what I want to talk to you about as we look at the reality of Thomas. Thomas has become, through time, through colloquialisms, a phrasing that we use to people who doubt things and never quite find a reality within what they doubt. We call so many people in our lives doubting Thomases, and it's a phrase of chastising them. When we call someone a doubting Thomas, it's a person that we feel that will only ever doubt things at the expense of finding a reality that exists outside of something that they understand. But through my reading of this scripture, through my interaction with this scripture, that's not what I see when I hear the story of Thomas. I see someone much like John who needs to see to learn. He's had the history. He's heard the other stories. He had the interaction with this person. And he needed to see so that he could understand the reality of what happened. He needed, like Simon Peter, to investigate, to break it down, to understand the reality of what's happened through this being Christ who conquered death. He needed to experience that so that he could find his place in the story. Today, I, I, I want us to be Thomases. I want us to be the ones who don't just doubt things and set them aside. But I want us to become the ones who doubt things, but with the willingness to learn and to grow and to find our place in the story. I'll share with you the history of the founder of the United Methodist Church, John Wesley. And John Wesley's being and his, the events that led his life to his heartwarming experience connect to what I want you to understand, what I understand about Thomas. John Wesley knew a story when he started ministry. John Wesley knew the story of Jesus Christ. He knew the story of the resurrection. And he knew it and he wanted to participate in it. And he did so much to try to participate in it. He started holy clubs. He became a priest in the Church of England. He tried all these things. He wanted to be a great servant through the Bible studies and the teachings of his mom at their daily dinner table, that he heard the story so many times that he wanted to be a part of it. He goes to Georgia and the colonies and tries to start an orphanage. And the orphanage becomes such a great failure that John Wesley returns to England heartbroken. But as he returns to England heartbroken, he in his doubting spirit has a moment just like Simon Peter that he begins to see with the heart of investigation. He begins to see as I feel Thomas did 
when he wanted to see the scars in the hand and see the scars in the side, to see, to investigate so that he could find his place in the story. As John Wesley is on this ship sailing back to England, there's a terrible storm. John Wesley, in his heart of doubt, is very fearful for everything that's going on. And then he hears the beautiful hymns being sung by a Moravian worshipers on the boat. And he begins to see with the heart of investigation the difference of people who have found their place in the story compared to the one still seeking to find his place in the story. John went to see to learn. Simon Peter went to sea to investigate. John Wesley on this boat begins to see to learn that there is something different between the Moravian worshipers and where he was currently at in his faith. And then much like Simon Peter, he begins to become the one to investigate how to find his place in that story. As... He goes back. He goes to a worship service. He's sitting in the back row. And he hears a sermon and he hears a message that opens a door of reality to him that John Wesley explains as his heart being strangely warmed. It's the moment that John Wesley begins to find his personal connection to the story of the reality of the resurrection. Until that time, John Wesley knew the story, but John Wesley did not know his place in the story. That's the reality that I want you to hold on with Thomas. We use the phrase doubting Thomas as a phrase of chastising people, but I want us to be Thomases. I want us to be people who not only doubt and question things, but we are willing to learn. We are willing to investigate. And we are willing to do those things until we find our place in the reality of what's actually there. We don't just bank ourselves in what we feel or what we think. But we're willing to go on this spiritual journey until we find our personal place in the story. That's what Thomas finds when he sees the scars and he sees the scars in his side. That's what Thomas discovers. What I want you to do is be willing in moments of fear and worry to not be the doubting Thomases that let fear take over and let fear hold us in our spots. But I want us to be the Thomas that's willing to learn like John the Beloved. That's willing to investigate like Simon Peter that's willing to find our places in the story so that we can say, 
Jesus Christ is real. The greatest part of my life, the greatest part of my life was the moment that I realized that Jesus Christ didn't just die for the entire world, that Jesus Christ died for me. I love the reality that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was for many, and it was for me. When I go through this journey, much like Thomas in the scripture today, when I'm willing to see to learn, when I'm willing to see and to investigate, and when I'm willing to see my place in the story, I am blessed with the reality that the scars set me free. The scars set the world free. And when we find that heartwarming experience in our lives, we can celebrate daily resurrections. There's another phrasing that I hold so dear in my life that comes from John Wesley. And it's a phrasing and it's a willingness to find a place in sanctifying grace where we are willing to move on towards perfection. Our willingness to find the daily resurrections. Our willingness to be aware that Easter is not just one day. Easter is every day. The willingness to understand that there are daily moments that we can find a celebration as long as we, like John the Beloved, are willing to look to learn. As long as, like Simon Peter, that we are willing to look to investigate the reality that's there. As long as we, like Thomas are willing to look and to see our place in the story as long as we, like John Wesley, are willing to look and see and learn and find that moment in which our hearts are strangely warmed that we can continue to move on through to perfection because of the freedom of the resurrection. Hold on to that today. Please no longer look at the doubting Thomas, but look for the opportunity to be a Thomas who's willing to learn, to investigate, and to find our places in the story so that we can celebrate daily resurrections in the name of Jesus Christ. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen.